Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I am excited to be here. Uh, Daz and I have been up in, uh, in the US together. He, he uh, has come alongside and helping us with Leaderscape and um, helping with some of the churches. You're, he's a gun. He's a weapon, I'm telling you. And uh, you know that, but they, they just, the, the pastors love him as he coaches and just helps uh, on the side. You know, this is the main thing that, that he does. But I also want to thank you um, as someone that's been around for a few years. I think I've been in ministry for 40 years next year. Um, and, uh, and so I've seen a lot of things come and go, um, but I, I just love it when a church is generous with their leaders. And uh, I know that it means that, and I know that, you know, the whole season you've been through and all that kind of stuff. I know that means that he's not necessarily here every, every weekend, um, but you are, you are sowing him into not only the state of New South Wales, that's actually the job that I used to do for about 10 years as vice president of our movement here. And so I, I, I understand the responsibility of that. Uh, so I wanted to say on behalf of pastors, not only across our state, but around the world, thank you. Thank you. And I actually believe that as you build God's house in the kingdom, then he will continue to build your house. Um, I want to pray and we'll get right into the word. Father, thank you for your, the power of your word. Thank you. Your word is truth. Today, that your heart is to deposit nuggets and gems right from heaven's heart to the hearts of these amazing people. Father, I speak generational blessing over them, their kids, their grandkids, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. Uh, I have four grandkids, three kids and one wife. And, uh, and I... I uh, when the grandkids are coming along, we needed to get a, a bit of an upgrade of a car. I bought a, uh, a, a little sports car many years ago. It was probably my midlife crisis. And so I was checking out this like medium-sized SUV and, uh, and the, the, the salesman could tell that I liked it. Um, and he said, why don't you take it for a spin? I said, oh, I've got to pick my wife up. But he said, no, no, take it overnight. And he said, really drive it like it's yours. Take it through the Nasho, the National Park near, near your house. And, uh, and, and, and so I picked Valerie up, pulled the moonroof back. I'm like, you know, the sleaziest voice that I could. G'day, babe, want a lift? And, uh, and so she hopped in. We went, it was going, it was about going dusk. And so here we are and I'm pushing this thing. I'm, I'm sweeping around bends in the National Park at dusk. Some of you are getting ahead of me here. And out, of, out from the bushes came a grey flash and a kangaroo cleaned up the front of the car that we don't even yet own. It's a test drive, right? And so I took the car back the next day and said, good news and bad news, boys. Love the car. Love the car. Not quite in the same state that you gave it to me yesterday. I'm just glad it wasn't one of those kangaroos on steroids that would have actually uh, probably killed, killed a lot of us. Here's the thing. That kangaroo came out like stealth. There was no way we could predict it. Uh, he, he, you know, went to kangaroo heaven. And, uh, but he came out like stealth. A lot of, lot of animals, they operate in that same way. I, I was, got on an aeroplane. Uh, Pastor Daz, 
he actually flew back and they had a whole row of three seats. So I got a bit of sleep. But I do a lot of, lot of flying, a lot of jet lag, all that kind of stuff. And there are some times, though I, though I enjoy a chat, I, I, I like saying hi to people and connecting, but there are some times all I want to do is sleep. And the key is no eye contact. Don't no eye contact with a person. Just be really unchristian if you want to sleep on a plane. And because uh, you might get someone who's chatty, right? And so I, I got on, I was being careful, and I happened to catch the eye of the guy that was going to sit next to me. And I said, G'day. And as I'm saying it, I'm saying, Give yourself an uppercut. Be quiet. Shut up if you want to sleep. And then I said, I'm Michael. What's your name? He said, I'm Wes. And I said, Hi, Wes. I started talking. I'm like, I said, what do you do, Wes? He said, I run a zoo. I said, you run a zoo? I thought I'd never met anyone who run a zoo before. Now he's not going to get any sleep all night and I'll be jabbing away at him. I said, what sort of zoo do you run, Wes? He said, oh, I run Australia Zoo. I'm Steve Irwin's best mate. And uh, I said, wow. I said, I said, ever, and as I'm talking, I found myself talking like Steve Irwin. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, oh, good day, oh, crikey. Uh, I'm like, you don't be an idiot. Just talk normal. I said, have you ever had any close calls with big crocs? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, he said we had a flood at the zoo and, and he said, Steve and I were, were cleaning out the croc enclosure and, uh, and Graham, the 15-footer, was, uh, was in, the, uh, was in the, the lagoon next door and the guy, he actually um, goofed off, the, the guy that was on, uh, on lookout and Graham came up and snapped me across the top of the butt and the top of the leg, got 103 stitches. And then he starts showing me a photo of his stitches I said, I got more photos. I said, no, it's okay. I need healing of the memories already for that one. The, the, the croc also operates by stealth. You'll sit there for days. You go up in FNQ, Northern Queensland, and, uh, and they'll, they just sit lurking. You know, the enemy's like that. He is really, really subtle. In fact, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians in one, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I fear... Lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, that word literally means subtlety, that you might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I think that, you know, when we, when we think about how the enemy's strength lies in his subtlety, the most dangerous lie is the one closest to the truth. And the Bible says he's the father of lies, right? You know, you know he's lying when his gums are flapping. He only knows how to lie. He's got a PhD in lying. And, and we're Johnny come latelys. We've got to understand that the subtlety of the shifts that, that, that he will try and perpetrate in our hearts. The, the author of Proverbs says it like this in Proverbs 14 verse 12. It says, there is a way that seems right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. There's a, there's a subtlety to the enemy. Uh, all of us, if we had a chance to have a, a, a cappuccino or something, we just sat down, just the, just the two of us or, uh, you know, couple and Valerie and I, and we said, hey, tell us your story. Tell us, the, tell us what Jesus saved you from. There'd be a whole array of stories in a room like this. And uh, some would be quite extreme. And, uh, you know, extreme stories are not better than, you know, Jesus protected me all my life. But we got, I got one of those. I, like I, I was a reasonable kid at school and, and uh, loved sport. Daz and I share that in common. And uh, 
but, but, but as a 14-year-old boy, my world came crashing down when, I, when I, a, a, a guy about 35 or something, he sexually abused me, my first sexual experience. And uh, rather than tell anyone at the time, I just decided I'm going to prove my uh, heterosexuality and got involved in a lot of promiscuous relationships. Is this okay this time of the morning? I, I just want to be honest with you. And, that, and so, and so that, that caused uh, me to a lifestyle of striving, but, but it, it, it was, it was not, not a useful lifestyle. It was a way that seemed right at the time, but it was going to end in death. In fact, it ended up in a teenage pregnancy, um, a girl I'd been going out with for 18 months and I dropped out of commerce law at university, got free jobs and raised about 12 grand. We are going to get married as 18-year-olds. And the relationship fell pretty badly apart. In fact, her mum and dad wanted me to get as far away from their daughter as possible. And to be honest, if I were them, I would have done exactly the same thing. Um, and I never saw the child. In fact, on the birth certificate it said, Father Unknown. She married someone a bit older than her and friend of the family and he raised the, the, the child. Um, and I remember, uh, obviously, Valerie and I met. I, I, I was just, I, what happened after that, the relationship fell apart, I actually blew the 12 grand. I was just basically onkus de Pukul for about three months, just off my face. And that was my way of, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it's, it's, it's end is death. Uh, I nearly literally got killed. I was blind drunk one night. Uh, driving a VW, a friend's car, and I flipped it out near Long Bay Jail in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, which is probably pretty appropriate at the time, and it was crushed and I got out with a little scratch on my back. How many know that even before you gave your life to Christ, angels were busy looking after you? Yeah, look, some of you particularly, that's the case. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I'm grateful for that. But, but I'm not going to talk so much today about... The, the obvious, there is a way that seems. Like, duh, don't write yourself off every night. Duh, don't drive a car when, you, when you're drunk. Don't, don't solve your problems by sexual promiscuity. Duh. I want to talk about the subtlety, the, the subtle ways in which, which the enemy actually tries to convince you that you are way less than what God ordained you to be. Um, this, this has its roots in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, in Genesis 3.1, it says the, the, the serpent was more crafty. That word is also the word subtle than any other beast of the field. It goes on from there. there we see three questions. One, that the devil asks and two, that God, God follows through with. The devil, uh, the devil says these words and, and he's still saying it to some of us today. He said, did God really say? Did God really make you a promise that you would have a thriving marriage? Did God really promise you that you would be successful in the marketplace? Did God really promise you that, that, that the peace that passes all understanding? Did God really promise you that the name of Jesus is above every other name, including that temptation or that besetting sin that continually has you uh, down for the count in terms of shame? Did God really say. That, that's, a, that's a question that's reverberating and he asks it of you every day or every week. Then God follows up with a couple of questions. Adam and Eve have been, uh, they've fallen, they've, they've, they've rebelled against God. And, uh, and as was his custom, he was, he was cru- cruising, they used to cruise through the garden together. God was chatting to them and, and hanging out. It was just this utopia. 
um, and they, 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 the separation had occurred. And God goes into the garden and says, where are you, Adam? And now it wasn't like, you know, a, a game of hide and seek. God knew exactly where he was. He wanted Adam to fess up and say, God, here's where I'm at. I'm shamed. I'm naked. Uh, and, and God is asking some of you today, hey, where are you at? Like what's really going on? In terms of you cleaving by faith to the Word of God. In Hebrews 11, uh, it's a powerful passage of Scripture. Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith or the, 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 the Bible Hall of Fame, where you see a lot of the greats. And here's what it says of each of them. It says, by faith, Noah built a boat before it had rained. By faith, Abraham left the country that he was accustomed to be in and actually went to a place he did not know. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. So by faith, by, by faith in what? By faith in what? I think my voice just broke then, babe. <laughs> by faith in what? By faith in the promise of the word that God had laid up over them. By faith, by faith. In fact, that, that, that scripture, that passage, that chapter starts with, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not like a wafty cloud. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is stuff. Faith has a substance to it. Faith is something you can get your teeth into. Faith is something you get your arms around. It's not like, oh, yeah, God says, but I'm not quite sure. Faith, by faith, by faith in the promise of the Word of God. And the devil comes and says, did God really say? The God of the universe says some things over your life. You are great you have seeds of greatness. You're magnificent. I've called you to an incredible future. And the devil says, you're a smuck. You've sh- you, you got nothing. You've got nothing. We go, oh, yeah, you're right. God of the universe, you've got seeds of greatness. Smuck. Oh, yeah, probably you're right, devil. Like think about the subtlety that would cause someone to disbelieve what the creator of the universe says over you to believe a snake-like lie. The devil is a liar. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, it says they, 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 they exchange the truth of God for a lie. We actually do that way too often. By faith, by faith, by faith. And then it says quite quaintly at the end of that chapter, uh, it, it actually, after all of these, the greats, the hall of fame, um, it, it actually says that, uh, that, that the, the devil, let me see if I can find this, here it is. It says, they, they, they did not obtain the promise that they were believing for. All of these greats, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. He didn't see the promise. Even Joshua ultimately did not see the promise. It says, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made 
perfect apart from us. So, so let me just unpack this for a minute. So it says, it says that there is something unique about our lives that, that was necessary, like as the missing jigsaw piece for these greats, that they, they're not going to actually be complete, the word perfect is the word teleos, or mature in their faith outside of what we experience. I'm like, what the heck? That's, that's kind of weird. See, many of the, the, the subtleties of the enemy, I know there's a time even as a pastor where probably I've been backslidden of heart different times. I wasn't going off doing anything really weird or anything like that, but just dry. Fell more in love with the ministry than in Jesus. Just, just busy, busy doing, 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 doing and not, not, not basking in the beauty of his presence. I'm on a bit of a thing about that at the moment, just craving freshly God's presence. At other times, just, just, in the, just in the busyness or, you know, the first probably 12 years, most of the time I was at Hillsong. Well, I didn't even call it then, Hills Christian Life Centre. I was pathetically insecure. Hey, Pastor Michael. Hey, Pastor Michael. Hey. And I'm like, yeah. And, and just the, the voices in my head, just, just you're not enough. Now, I know I'm not unique in that. I know many of you are like that. As, I've, as I grew up before I met my beautiful wife, I can't remember never having, I can't remember ever not having a girlfriend. Not because I was debonair and good looking, but because I was so pathetically insecure, I couldn't stand to be alone. I needed someone on my, by my side. And I'm so grateful to Jesus, hey? So grateful to Jesus. But it's in the subtlety. Where the enemy, you know, look, look I'm, I'm looking at you and I just see a room of greatness. I see a room of ambassadors for the most high God. I see a room where that name of Jesus that's above every other name applies to you. I see a room where the power of the Holy Spirit is accessible for you, not only every day or every hour, every moment of every day of every hour. I see magnificence. That's what God sees. And so often we see less than, not enough. How does the enemy get you to believe something about yourself that is contrary to what the creator of the universe says over you. <laughs> I meet believers all over the world. I have a, a privilege of, 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 of connecting with lots of churches and getting the, the chance to preach in churches all over the place. And so often I meet, I meet believers and you see God's greatness on them, but they don't believe in themselves. It's like, you know, you ask them, what's your ministry? And you think they're going to say, I've got the ministry of the butt. Ministry of the butt? What's that? Well, see, God gave me a butt and I put it on a chair. Once, oh, I used to be once a week. Now it's every three weeks or so, depending on what's on, the barbecues and the sport. So, so you've got them. Yeah, you've got the ministry of the butt. And God says, I've put seeds of greatness on the inside of you. And, and, and the best we can come up with is the ministry of the butt occupying a chair, saying amen at all the right times. Amen. You got more to, no, now, are you saying don't come to church? No, come to church. 
But you're not just called to come to church, you're called to become the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, my friend. And so when God looks at you, He sees the magnificence of the potential. You are made in the image of God. That's what God says. The devil says, no, you're not. No, you're not, because look what you did. Remember what you did? Remember what you were thinking this week? Remember you had a few too many sherbets last night? That disqualifies you. How can you dare raise your hands and worship Jesus? You're magnificent. My blood covers every sin, every temptation of your life. It was either finished and done or it's not done at all. And the devil says, no, it's not. Oh, yeah, you're probably right, devil. He's a fallen angel with brain damage and an attitude. And we choose to believe, I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't do this in the first service, I'm, I can't let go of this. I just believe that the lies we believe are holding us captive. Every bit of bondage has as its essence a lie. Every lack of freedom has as its essence a lie. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Jesus said, in John chapter 14, verse 6 or so, it says, it says, I am the way. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Got some good mansions going to ha- happen. Uh, and and, and Tom said, Thomas said, hey, uh, Jesus, yeah, what, what's up, Tom? He says, he says, how we know? We don't know where you're going. How we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Now, clearly, that's a, that's a, that's a context of eternity. But we understand that we don't just come to the Father when we die. In fact, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says that, that you come boldly before the throne of God's grace because of His grace and mercy. Come boldly before the throne of the Father. So in order to access all that the Father has for you in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit, you come boldly before His throne. But He's the way, He's the truth and He's the life, Is Jesus. Jesus' way is, is community. And, and it's interesting, in this generation, we've got lots of Christians that feel quite comfortable flying solo, being unconnected to the body of Christ. And I go, you say, well, you're preaching to the choir, Pastor Mike, I'm here. No, 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 I'm not even talking about coming to church. I'm talking about actually getting vitally connected in one of the amazing connect groups around, around Chapel Collective. Because some of you have made that decision already. Oh, no, that's not for me. I'm pretty busy. We live out of, out of town a bit. It's pretty hard. We'll come on Sundays, most Sundays. And uh, I'm, not a commu- I'm, not a gr- I'm not a group sort of guy. You know, let me tell you about a story I had with a group. We've all got horror stories. We've all got horror stories. You get into a group and think, I don't even like these people. But that doesn't mean that God's word has changed. You've believed a lie. Some, some of you, some of us, we go through seasons like, well, you know, pastor, I would give. I would, I would be a tither. <laughs> As you said before, you, 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 were, you were pulling my chain there, pastor. Well, you know, tough times, economy, interest rates. I, I, when, that, when that's over, man, there's some big checks coming from me. Just the subtlety of the enemy. And, and, and God says, I'm the God of all creation. I, I supply all your needs. You can do it your own way. You can do it my way. 
Some of us, it's again, I get, I get, I understand these feelings. It's so easy to start focusing on ourselves. It's like, well, you know, I'll do the ministry of the bud, I'll rock up, but Pastor, I know you've got some needs in some of the teams and stuff. That's not me. I'd prefer to be a consumer, not a producer here. Are we okay? Are we okay in this Presbyterian church? Very quiet. Others, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know God's Holy Spirit. The whole reason it was to be a witnesses, not just to speak in tongues. Tongues is great and, and love it. I speak in tongues lots. But, but that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. It's, it's to release you to minister to other people who, for many for, of whom, that you're the only conduit between them and eternity with Jesus. Now, I know there are some of you that, that have got the gift of evangelism and I just want to validate you. Like you've you got something very, you, you are a, you, you're not necessarily up here, but you're a blessing to this house. I just, I like, amazing. Just keep going at it. Keep inviting. But that's not just for the evangelists. It's, it's every one of our call. The truth is that you can go a long time as a Christian and not even think about week to week, month to month, whom it is that you'll be inviting to church this week. You've got a story. It's a powerful story. Your friends and family need to hear it. And so often the enemy say, oh, they might reject you. They might, they, they, might, they might not like you. They might hurt your feelings. It is finished, he said. And so God's heart is for you beyond the ministry of the butt. But the enemy is very subtle. I was reminded of, of how brief life is about 18 months ago. And uh, we were preaching for Pastor Shane Baxter down in, in Joy Church in Melbourne. Some of you might know him. And uh, he, 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 I got off the platform after the third service and uh, there was a text came from my friends up in Minneapolis. One of the churches we work with up there is a church called River Valley. And uh, are you taking a photo? Could you just get my good side, please? Just, that's all I got. So, so Pastor Shane, uh, you know, the, the, the text came through and, and please call. And turns out one of my dear friends and actually a director of Leaderscape, um, he actually had, had, had unexpectedly and very suddenly died, passed away. 53, he was an ox. Like he worked out nine days a week. He had biceps as big as my thighs. The guy was fit, healthy. And uh, his wife is one of the leading nurses in the US. Overseas, currently 30,000 nurses. She was right there. And he said, I'm not feeling all that well. Can you pray for me? And she laid hands on him and he dropped to the ground. She brought him back again with, you know, resuscitation, but didn't realise that he was bleeding out on the inside. And he went to eternity. And we quickly raced up there and uh, we, um, I was speaking at the, at the celebration of his life. And I was just down here in worship on the Sunday before, a couple of days earlier. And uh, in my mind's eye, they were singing a song called Hallways, which they wrote. And the words of the song go something like this. Lord, remind me that, that this is not my destination, that life's a hallway. And I saw like a picture of a big hallway and, and big hunking like medieval doors, three stories high. And Anthony uh, was right, had his nose right up against those doors, my buddy. And if you'd asked Anthony at that time, how, where are you on the hallway? 
He would have said, I'm about three decades down there. Get some binoculars, dude. I got a long way to go. He didn't realise he was right here. He breathed his last on earth. The doors flung open, the radiance of the light nearly knocked him off his feet. And the very next breath he drew was the atmosphere of heaven. Some of those verses that I refer to in Hebrews 11, those greats. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but, but are you trying to sneak in? No, that's, no, no, it's okay. You can sit. I just wanted to just call you out. That's all. Some of those greats, I don't know whether you've ever thought, when I get to heaven, I wouldn't mind, you know, not in a bad way. Some people, oh, I've got some questions for Jesus. Good luck with that. But like, I wouldn't mind asking Abraham, hey, Abe, you were getting a bit long in the tooth, buddy. And God says, you're going to have a kid. Man, you looked in the mirror, it looked like you need an iron. And you had a child and then Isaac, laughter is what his name means. He was born, and God says, take him up a hill. Take a load of wood and a bit of fire. How'd you, how'd you do that, Abe? Noah, you started building a boat and it never rained. People are going, you're an idiot. What was that like? Moses, what was it like leading the children of Israel out of Egypt on the way to the promised land? What was it like when you forfeited your opportunity and you looked and saw them head over the Jordan River? What was that like? And I can imagine Anthony waltzing into the gates, through the gates of heaven and maybe worship Jesus for a couple of thousand years, but he's having a bit of a look around. And he said, I want to to ask some of these dudes some questions. And he noticed there was Noah, Abraham, Moses and Joshua over at the celestial coffee machine. Come with me on the illustration. So so it's like, whoa, we got no, Mo, Jojo and Abe. There they are. And so Anthony's practicing. What was it like? Hey, what was it like, dude? What was it like? And then he sees, and hears, sorry, Moses yell out, hey, Anthony. And Anthony's like, what the heck? Me? Yeah. He says, come over and meet the fellas. Hey, we've been, we've been chatting together. Hey, Anthony, we've got a question for you, dude. What was it like? What? what? Yeah, what was it like? What was it like to have Christ in you? Of course, we never did. We had God with us, but not Christ. Anthony, what was that like? Like every day, did you wake up like crackling with the sense of God saying, Holy Spirit, what, what adventures have we got today? What, what, what miracles? Like, like who's, who's, who's going to have your shadow pass over them? And they're going to say, I'm healed, I'm healed. How many people are you going to approach with your story about how much Jesus, what was it like having Christ in you? Yeah, 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 I've got the ministry of the butt. You're Christ in you. Yeah. Amen, Pastor. I gave in the offering last month and I said a prayer for you and the missus. Amen. See you next week. I see greatness on the inside of everyone here. When we would realise the truth of God's Word is that you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've already told you a bit of our story. Valerie's got a story as well. You know that hopefully I'm not 
a guru that's come and telling you what to do. I'm a fellow pilgrim with you working this thing out. But I do know that there's a God in heaven that's nuts about you. And I don't need to be a prophet to realise that numbers of us, that we're bumping along the bottom in our faith. Maybe you've been brought along by a friend here and you've been hearing some stories about what God's doing at Chapel Collective and you come and ha- come and have it along, ha- come come along, have a bit of a gawk. It's so lovely to have you here. Others, you've been tracking with this for a while. And if you go back when you first received Christ, there was a something that just powerfully impacted you. And yet, right now, if you're honest with yourself and honest with God, just going through the motions. And I'm not going to call you out, but I want to bring the gauntlet of challenge to you and say, you can walk out exactly as you walked in today. Or you can do something about it. You can say, God, I want to acknowledge that I need you so desperately. That 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 God, I want to acknowledge that 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 your Holy Spirit is wanting me to to, in a sense repent. Because I'm distant from you. And and you're not the one who moved. I got busy, I got tied up, I just I just neglected your word and talking to you. God says to you today, where are you? Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were ashamed? Here's what we're going to do. Just the next few minutes. I'm going to get you to close your eyes for a minute and I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, Everyone that says, Michael, that's you're talking to me. I need to get my life right with Christ. I need to come back into that sweet spot that I know God has called me to be and to live. And so if that's you, I want you, when I hit three, to confidently and boldly lift your hand in the air, just long enough and high enough for me to, for me to see it and I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down again. Then we're going to do some business with God. Cool? Cool? Okay, why don't you close your eyes? Where are you, says God? Where are you really at with the things of God? Everyone, please, just close your eyes. Here we go. One, Jesus Christ said it is finished from that cross, not as a cry of defeat, but one of victory. He had completed everything that was needed to take your sin, the punishment of it and mine, so that you could be completely forgiven and come boldly before the Father. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. When you hear His voice, come on, don't diss Him. Don't harden your heart, but respond to Him. With every eye closed, every head bowed, right across the congregation, you say, Michael, you're talking to me. I need Jesus. You say, could you include me in that prayer? All over the house, you say, Michael, pray for me. If that's you right now, lift your hand. Three, right across the house. Yes, God bless you. Yep, keep it, keep it raised. Yep. Yep. Thank you over there on my right. God bless you up there. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, yes. Lovely couple there. Yep, yep, yep. Who else? If that's you, lift it up. Right at the back there. God bless you. You haven't raised your hand yet, but you want to. God is right at the back. God bless you. God is God's stirring your heart. Come on, I'm speaking to you, he said. Lovely lady at the back there. If you haven't raised your hand, yeah, thank you. Lift it up right now. I'm just going to cast my eyes one more time across the beautiful congregation. If you haven't raised your hand, lift it up right now. Yep. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chapel Collective, uh, let's not just do a little golf clap here. Let's really celebrate these amazing people that are getting their lives right with God right now. Come on, why don't we thank God. Thank God for each and every one of them. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.